Chapter Two, Part Two of A Jewish State by Theodore Herzl, translated by Sylvie Avigdor. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Adrian Pretzelis. Chapter Two: The Jewish Question, Part Two: The Plan. The whole plan is, in its essence, perfectly simple, as it must necessarily be if it is to come within the comprehension of all. Let the sovereignty be granted to us over a portion of the globe large enough to satisfy the reasonable requirements of a nation. The rest we shall manage for ourselves. The creation of a new state is neither ridiculous nor impossible. We have in our day witnessed the process in connection with nations which were not in the bulk of the middle class, but poorer, less educated, and consequently weaker than ourselves. The governments of all countries scourged by anti-Semitism will serve their own interests in assisting us to obtain the sovereignty we want. The plan, simple in design but complicated in execution, will be carried out by two mediums, the Society of Jews and the Jewish Company. Footnote. These became subsequently the Zionist movement and the Jewish Colonial Trust Limited, respectively. End footnote. The Society of Jews will do the preparatory work in the domains of science and politics, which the Jewish Company will afterwards practically apply. The Jewish Company will see to the realization of the business interests of departing Jews, and will organize commerce and trade in the new country. We must not imagine the departure of the Jews to be a sudden one. It will be gradual, continuous, and will cover many decades. The poorest will go first to cultivate the soil. In accordance with a preconcerted plan, they will construct roads, bridges, railways, and telegraphs, regulate rivers, and build their own habitations. Their labor will create trade, trade will create markets and markets will attract new settlers, for every man will go voluntarily, at his own expense and his own risk. The labour expended on the land will enhance its value, and the Jews will soon perceive that a new and permanent sphere of operation is opening here for that spirit of enterprise which has heretofore met only with hatred and obloquy. If we wish to found a state today, we shall not do it in the way which would have been the only possible one a thousand years ago. It is foolish to revert to the old stages of civilization as many Zionists would like to do. Supposing, for example, we were obliged to clear a country of wild beasts, we should not set about the business in the fashion of Europeans of the fifth century. We should not take spear and lance and go out singularly in pursuit of bears. We should organize a large and effective hunting party, drive the animals together, and throw a melanite bomb into their midst. If we wish to conduct building operations, we shall not plant a mass of stakes and piles on the shore of a lake, but we shall build as men build now. Indeed, we shall build in a bolder and more stately style than was ever adopted before, for we now possess means which men never yet possessed. The immigrant standing lowest in the economic scale 
will be slowly followed by those of a higher grade. Those who at this moment are living in despair will go first. They will be led by the mediocre intellects which we produce so superabundantly, and which are persecuted everywhere. This pamphlet will open a general discussion on the Jewish question, avoiding, if possible, the creation of an opposition party. Such a result would ruin the cause from the outset, and dissentients must remember that allegiance or opposition are entirely voluntary. Who will not come with us may remain. Let all who are willing to join us fall in behind our banner and fight for our cause with voice and pen and deed. Those Jews who fall in with our idea of a state will attach themselves to the society which will thereby be authorised to confer and treat with governments in the name of our people. The society will thus be acknowledged in its relations with governments as a state-creating power. This acknowledgment will practically create the state. Should the powers declare themselves willing to admit our sovereignty over a neutral piece of land, then the society will enter into negotiations for the possession of this land. Here two territories come under consideration, Palestine and Argentina. In both countries important experiments in colonization have been made, though on the mistaken principle of a gradual infiltration of Jews. An infiltration is bound to end in disaster. It continues till the inevitable moment when the native population feels itself threatened and forces the government to stop the further influx of Jews. Immigration is consequently futile unless based on an assured supremacy. The Society of Jews will treat with the present masters of the land, putting itself under the protectorate of the European powers, if they prove friendly to the plan. We could offer the present possessors of the land enormous advantages, take upon ourselves part of the public debt, build new roads for traffic, which our presence in the country would render necessary, and so on. The creation of our state would be beneficial to adjacent countries, because the cultivation of a strip of land increases the value of its surrounding districts in innumerable ways. Palestine or Argentina? Shall we choose Palestine or Argentina? See Editor's Preface for determining of this issue. We shall take what is given us, and what is selected by Jewish public opinion. The society will settle both these points. Argentina is one of the most fertile countries in the world, extends over a vast area, has a sparse population and a mild climate. The Argentine Republic would derive considerable profit from the secession of a portion of its territory to us. The present infiltration of Jews has certainly produced some friction and it would be necessary to enlighten the Republic on the intrinsic difference of our new movement. Palestine is our ever-memorable historic home. The very name of Palestine would attract our people with a force of marvellous potency. Supposing His Majesty the Sultan were to give us Palestine, 
we could in return pledge ourselves to regulate the whole finances of Turkey. We should there form a portion of the rampart of Europe against Asia, an outpost of civilization as opposed to barbarism. The sanctuaries of Christendom would be safeguarded by assigning to them an extraterritorial status, such as is well known to the laws of nations. We should form a guard of honour about these sanctuaries, answering for the fulfilment of this duty with our existence. This guard of honour would be the great symbol of the solution of the Jewish question after eighteen centuries of Jewish suffering. Demand, Medium, Trade I said in the last chapter but one, the Jewish company will organize trade and commerce in the new country. I shall here insert a few remarks on that point. A scheme such as mine is gravely imperiled by the antagonistic attitude of experts. Now experts are often nothing more than men sunk into the groove of daily routine, whence they have an extraordinarily limited view. At the same time, their adverse opinion carries great weight, and can do considerable harm to a new project, at any rate, till this new thing is sufficiently strong to throw experts and their stupid notions to the winds. In the earliest period of European railway construction, some experts were of opinion that it was foolish to build certain lines because there were not even sufficient passengers to fill the mail-coaches. They did not realise the truth, which now seems obvious to us, that travellers do not produce railways, but conversely railways produce travellers, the latent demand being, of course, taken for granted. The impossibility of comprehending how trade and commerce are to be created in a new country which is yet to be acquired and cultivated, may be classed with those doubts of experts concerning the need for railways. An expert would express himself somewhat in this fashion. Granted that the present situation of the Jews is in many places unendurable and aggravated day by day, granted that there exists a desire to emigrate, granted even that the Jews do emigrate to the new country. How would they earn their living there, and what will they earn? What are they to live on when there? Commerce cannot be artificially organized in a day. To this I should reply, we have not the slightest intention of organizing trade artificially, and we should certainly not attempt to do it in a day. But though the organization of it may be impossible, the promotion of it is not. And how is commerce to be encouraged? Through the medium of a demand. The demand recognized, the medium created, commerce will establish itself. If there is a real and earnest demand among Jews for an improvement of their status, if the medium to be created, the Jewish company, is sufficiently powerful, then commerce will extend itself copiously in the new country. This is, of course, an assumption, in the same way as to the development of railway traffic was an assumption in the thirties. 
Railways were built all the same, for men's ideas fortunately carried themselves beyond the doubts of experts and their mail coaches. Outlines The Jewish company is partly modelled on the lines of a great trading association. It might be called a Jewish chartered company, though it cannot exercise sovereign power and has duties other than the establishment of colonial commerce. The Jewish company will be founded as a joint stock company, subject to English jurisdiction, framed according to English laws, and under the protection of England. Its principal centre will be London. I cannot tell yet how large the company's capital should be. I shall leave that calculation to our numerous financiers. But to avoid ambiguity, I shall put it at a thousand million marks, about fifty million pounds sterling. It may be either more or less than that sum. The form of subscription, which will be further elucidated, will determine what fraction of the whole amount must be paid in at once. The Jewish Company is an organisation with a transitional character. It is strictly a business undertaking and must be carefully distinguished from the Society of Jews. The Jewish Company will first of all see to the realisation of all vested interests left by departing Jews. The method adopted will prevent the occurrence of crises, secure every man's property, and facilitate that inner migration of Christian citizens which has already been indicated. Non-transferable goods the non-transferable goods which come under consideration are house property, land, and local business connections. The Jewish company will at first take upon itself no more than the necessary negotiations for effecting the sale of these goods. These Jewish sales will not immediately produce any serious fall in prices. The company's branch establishments in various towns will become the central offices for the sale of Jewish estates, and will charge only so much commission on transaction as will ensure their financial stability. Now, the development of this movement may cause a considerable fall in the prices of landed property, and may eventually make it impossible to find a market for it. At this juncture the company will enter upon another branch of its functions. It will take over the management of abandoned estates till such time as it can dispose of them to greatest advantage. It will rent houses, let out land on lease, and install business managers, these on account of the required supervision being, if possible, tenants also. The company will endeavour everywhere to facilitate the acquisition of land by its tenants, who are Christians. It will, indeed, gradually replace its own officials in the European branches by Christian substitutes, lawyers, and so on. And these are not by any means to become servants of the Jews. They are intended to be free controlling bodies to the Christian population, so that everything may be carried through in equity, fairness, and justice, and without imperilling the internal welfare of the people. At the same time the company will buy estates, or rather exchange them. For a house it will offer a house in the new country, 
and for land, land in the new country, everything being, if possible, transferred to new soil in the same state as it was in the old. And this transfer will be a great and recognised source of profit to the company. Over there, the houses offered in exchange will be newer, more beautiful, and more comfortably fitted, and the landed estates of greater value than those abandoned. But they will cost the company comparatively little, because it will have brought the ground at a very cheap rate. Purchase of Land The land which the Society of Jews will have secured by international law must, of course, be privately acquired. Provisions made by individuals for their own settlement do not come within the province of this general account, but the company requires large strips of territory for its own needs and ours, and these it must secure by private purchase. It will negotiate principally for the acquisition of fiscal domains, with the great object of taking possession of this land over there without paying a price too high in the same way as it sells here without accepting one too low. A forcing of prices will be impossible, because the value of the land will be created by the company through its organization of settlements, in conjunction with the supervising Society of Jews. The latter will see to it that the enterprise does not become a Panama, but a Suez. The company will sell building sites at cheap rates to its officials, and will allow them to mortgage these for the building of their habitations, deducting the amount due from their salaries, or putting it down to their account as increased emolument. This will, in addition to the honours they expect, form a kind of recompense for their services. All the immense profits of this speculation in land will go to the company which is bound to receive this indefinite premium in return for having borne the risk of the undertaking. When the undertaking involves any risk, the profits must be freely accorded to those who have borne it. But under no other circumstances will profits be permitted. In the correlation of risk and profit is comprehended financial justice. End of chapter 2 Section 2